Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Side note, next week we are going to be at Husker Harvest Days. So make sure if you're going to be attendance to the show any one of the three days, you head over to the Fontenelle booth where we will be doing the Fontenelle Final Bell from there. Your chance to ask questions directly to the commodity folks that we're going to have on the program with us. Now, having said that, this week has kind of felt, and I was joking about this with Sam Hudson, it has had a groundhog type of feel to it. I mean, we've seen a little bit of ebbs and changes in the grain numbers. Corn down today, beans are up today, hogs are down, whereas yesterday they were up. But when it comes to the information that's being talked about, every day is about the same thing. Maybe a little bit of a twist, maybe some updated information, but there hasn't been a lot to change the aspect of what we're seeing in this market trade. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, what these influences are. And no surprise, we have a USDA report that comes out on Tuesday. And I mentioned Sam Hudson. He joins us, Sam, of course, with Corn Belt Marketing. So first of all, let's just talk about this harvest pressure. It seems, and the the folks I've talked to um, from a farmer perspective, they're frustrated that there hasn't been a lot of Chicago talk, shall we say, about what's happening with this crop out, especially in the Western Corn Belt. Well, that's right, and I think you know a big part of that is is our demand side of things. You know, if you, if you're ahead of uh, or making a big run in demand, and you see you know a supply problem come alongside it, you know there's a talking point there. But at this point, uh, if you're an end user, you see this harvest coming; it's coming down the pipe. No matter what, someone's going to store it till December. Uh, and with that being said, you know when you look at revenue per acre, uh, soybeans are the are the you know the horse that uh, a lot of farmers are going to choose here from a cash flow standpoint, and so. You, know, you mentioned that there's really not a lot to talk about. We've been dealing with very low open interest in these markets, and I think on the front end, as you get into this hedge pressure and, and more market depth, um, if those you know combine sales on the beans are coming you know, right over the next 30 to 45 days, you can see a, additional pressure. But I think the cash markets are really going to probably have to be the one to, to tell the story here. I think there's still a threat that yields could you know still be trimmed a little bit, and with beans, it can still you know tighten up that stock's usage to a number that uh, you know is historically you know somewhat threatening going into to winter. And our shipment pace, I think, is going to be critical here uh, over the next three to four months. You know, as we get into this crop. So, you know, we, we, we talk about what we've been seeing in the movement of this trade and lack of excitement. It's very easy to point fingers at the dealings that are going on between uh, China and, and Brazil. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, I think, you know, long term, well, even short term, but you know, long term, they're you know, building a little bit of an alliance without the U.S. in there. And, you know, we've already seen, you know, what happens when we you put them, you know, ahead of ours, uh, their crop ahead of ours in terms of importance. And we're sort of in that cycle right now. Um, they had big, uh, you know, big production, big supplies. Uh, very cheap port prices there at the onset of their harvest. And, you know, now at this point, we have to find a way to compete with that at a time where the dollar has, uh, you know, been surging. And so, uh, you know, I think when it comes down to it, uh, the cash market's about the only thing that really can move here over the next, you know, three to four months, uh, just purely out of the reluctance of, of the farmer to sell. But as you get into next February, next March, uh, if we end up with a carry out over 2 billion bushels and we have to auction off that South American crop, I think that's probably where the biggest risk lies. Between now and the end of the year, I think it's more about filling up uh, you know, our storage space, which is you know, historically empty, uh, and that should filter right into that narrative. Well, and, and you talked about before we got started the program today again, and that's been a discussion everybody's been having, dryness of the Mississippi, dryness at the Panama Canal. What about dryness that you guys are seeing in your river frontages there on the eastern Corn Belt? Yeah, well, that becomes a problem. I mean, you know, you look at the Ohio, Illinois River Valleys uh, and feeding into the Mississippi there, and, and, and those you know, stages are just uh, extremely low, and we've seen what happens. And 
uh, in the past when that takes place, when you have barge freight, uh, you know, double, triple, uh, you know, within several weeks, and, and then you get into that crop, it's only going to get worse. And so if we don't get a decent rain in here, um, you're looking at draft levels that were reduced here this week again in some places. I think that's going to continue, and it just reduces the amount of volume that we can uh, can ship in general. And the problem with that is, uh, particularly for soybeans, is our, our demand is so front-loaded typically uh, that if we lose that and then we get the prospect of a good South American crop come December or January, all of a sudden you don't know if you get that demand back. And so, uh, you know, for the past six months, or really better part of eight to ten months, we've been talking about how poor the corn export program has been. Uh, if we start to, you know, get that type of a thinking in, into the bean market as well, it's going to be a, a long winter. So what can we do to fix it? Or is there anything we can do to fix it? Or do we have to ride it out? Well, I think you have to understand at least short-term, you know, where you're at on the revenue per acre side and, and soybeans. I think we're going to create a little bit of cash carry in the market out to that December time frame uh, simply because of the fact that everyone's going to be more apt to selling that off the combine compared to corn where I think there's going to be more reluctance. So on the front end, I think it's more about looking for basis opportunities and merchandising opportunities in corn. Uh, and if we get any sort of, uh, you know, rally opportunity back to, you know, 510, 520, 530, uh, an individual can take advantage of that. Uh, for soybeans, I think it's more about, you know, just getting less risk and less ex- exposure between now and the end of the year. Uh, if I do think we could cut those yields and, you know, that's a challenge. If you get the beans out of the farmer's hands and, but don't see those yield cuts until after harvest, uh, the biggest opportunity in futures, if that's going to happen, is more toward, you know, after the Halloween time frame, towards Thanksgiving, um, and then towards that January crop report. And so I think between now and then, that's the opportunities you got to look for. Uh, and there's going to be an opportunity to store some corn at least to the end of the year after that. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be tough to say what happens. And, of course, I'm sure the dollar will have some influence weighed in on there as well. It will, and more more so towards the end of the year. You know, we like to talk about that, in, you know, in terms of relationship to just all U.S. exports, commodities included. But the timing, I think, is more important for the grain markets. Uh, you know, we have to. Com- there are certain times of the year where we're just not competing with anybody else. Uh, you know, the winter months is definitely not going to be one of those. As South America goes to the field, they're going to start to think about what they've got left over, and we've heard nothing but rumors and, and stories and pictures about, uh, you know, grain being piled up everywhere in the interior of Brazil and stuffed in bags. And for what it's worth, I think you're going to see a lot of spoilage because of that, but it'll only matter if, if, if Mother Nature doesn't cooperate here this next crop year. All right, well, stick around, folks. We come back, we're going to continue to talk about what's going on in this crop, specifically the report that comes out on Tuesday. How much weight is it going to have on this market Sunday night into Monday, even in that Monday night overnight trade? We'll also take a look at the happenings of the livestock side and a whole lot more. It's the Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Summer is going fast and Husker Harvest Days is right around the corner. Please join us one final year in the Fontenelle Tent at the show September 12th through the 14th near Grand Island. There's plenty to talk about, including the merger into the new Channel Seed brand, our proven performance potential, and an expanded corn portfolio for 2024. So stop and see Fontenelle at Husker Harvest Days. The same local commitment with new possibilities. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we head into a weekend that has the potential for rain in parts of the Western Corn Belt, definitely not anything that's going to fix what's happening right now. That's what Sam Hudson and I, Sam, of course, with Corn Belt Marketing, we were talking about during the commercial break. And now we're supposed to get some rain. We got like 10 hundredths last night. But you made a really good point that any rains we get over the next couple of days are not going to be anything that's going to fix the problem that's been there and that's been growing for two years. 
No, it won't be. And, and, you know, we've seen that struggle, uh, you know, for the better part, two or three years, depending on where you're at in the Western Corn Belt and now in places of the Central Corn Belt. And, you know, we've talked about how that's impacted our river systems. And so I think, again, that's uh, something to be concerned about here as we go into harvest. But um, not only, you know, replenishing, uh, you know, those tributaries, but just thinking about, uh, you know, what uh, it means for soil composition and, and, you know, decomposition, I guess, more importantly, over the winter and before next year's crop. So uh, definitely things to be thinking about and, you know, never too early to start thinking about 2024 when you think about you know where inputs have come down you know five dollar corn and thirteen dollar soybeans out there may not be you know the worst of numbers uh and so i think you know it just becomes one of these things where we may not have an opportunity to see the market add a bunch of risk premium unless we're hoping for a weather rally later on down the road so as you get these actuals and start booking those inputs uh you know understand what it means to you from a break-even standpoint even this far out what are your thoughts on tuesday's report you know, I, I think you, when you look at the yield, yes, I, I have to expect that we're going to continue to see yields move lower here. I just think we've seen too much opportunity in the central corn belt be lost. And I think this dry, hot finish is only going to confirm that. I think you have too much variability to really push a big average. And I know it's, uh, you know, there, there's a crowd out here that thinks we could still be 175 or more. Um, and I just personally don't see that. Now, here's the problem. Uh, it's always been a function of pace. How quickly can you come down? And we mentioned the, the lack of demand in the market. And if they can have a reason to continue to cut demand, then we almost have to see those yield cuts just to balance them out. And so I, I'm not going to sit here and make the case for a sub-170 corn yield. I think by January it's possible we could end up under there, but I, I don't think a guy can play in his marketing around a number like that because by the time we find out, it probably won't even matter. Uh, I think it's more about merchandising and, and understanding what's a fair price based on your revenue per acre and how all the financials work out of it. Um, you know, in the USDA, they're just going to give us uh, you know, these tidbits along the way. But at this, you know, pretty soon we'll be talking more about those shipment paces uh, in South American weather than we'll, we'll even be on yield. So is January's report, I mean, it usually because that gives us our final numbers. Do you see that weighing more heavily come January and this one might just be the blip on the radar? I think could I, I actually think the November report could be quite telling because, you know, the, the USDA's problem right now, you know, let's say you are right or anyone that would argue our yield has to go up is correct. I don't think they can do that in next week's data. I think we have enough consternation, enough uncertainty, enough variation that we have to get a little bit of combine data and some actual field data before we can, you know, make a, a you know, justified, meaningful move. And I think the USDA knows that. So, you know, my guess is they make a small, small reduction in both corn and soybean yields just to kind of give a tip of the cap, or they could just punt altogether. And then after we've had another 30 or 45 days, we've taken the crop out, uh, you know, come October, November, all of a sudden you're going to have a couple more crop production updates. We don't get one in December. Uh, you know, that November report could be one that, uh, you know, if we've got to take this bean yield under 50 bushel an acre, you could finally see a bit of reaction after all these, uh, you know, harvest hedge sales. So are we going to see maybe a, a benefit to the ethanol industry? I do think that helps their their cause, at least for the short term. When we look at the margins, I mean, that's one thing that we can be optimistic about. You know, you look at crude oil and the fuel market in general, the margins are good there. The problem with ethanol is just a glass ceiling. We can only push that so far. You can only throttle it so far. And you cannot make up, uh, you know, for the drops in the export market. But it will help them, uh, you know, source product. They're not going to have to fight the feed guy nearly as hard as they did last year uh, because the Western Corn Belt is going to be in a lot better shape. 
uh, and they should be able to, uh, you know, secure some supplies, uh, you know, away from that export market as well. But that's one thing to think about. The, the domestic user, they can't let basis get too cheap because if they do, they won't get any pot. And so, uh, you know, again, that's where you got to look for these opportunities on, you know, once we hit that midpoint of harvest, I think they're going to start to understand what they need, what they haven't gotten, uh, and probably realize that the farmer's still going to be flush with cash until you get to February, March timeframe. Well, let's jump your, uh, gears here for a second and look at the livestock side. We did see some higher cattle contracts today. Also saw some cash, uh, one to two higher coming out of the south. Yeah, and we saw a little bit uh, trade in the north uh, a little bit yesterday, some light trade that was a little bit firmer, too. And I think the way what the futures were doing this week, it just felt like, uh, you know, we were going to hold this trade off to the end of the week. and. Hopefully, guys will benefit from that. I think it's more, it's been you know, a little bit about spreads with that August contract having gone off the the, you know, the, the board there. And now we get to debate about what uh, sentiment and demand is going to be like into the fourth quarter. Obviously, you know, we continue to see headlines about credit card debt, this and that. I think you're going to continue to see start, start to see more deviation between some of the cuts. I think you're going to have a, you know, a certain crowd out here that just is not going to be able to keep up with some of the stuff as we make the turn into next year. And that's probably where we finally see some risks in terms of pricing. You know, we can't. We need to regenerate enough animals at this point fast enough to undo, you know, what we've gotten ourselves into. But if we start to see that demand slow, uh, we start to see more grass out there and more of a desire to, you know, uh, expand the herd, then obviously prices can react to that. Best way for folks to get a hold of you? 800-655-3380 or cornbeltmarketing.com. That's today's Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.